let's go ahead and get into this word here. Y'all ready for the word? Y'all excited for the word? Look, the word of God just be going into all the crevices of our heart. Are you grateful for that? It's not always fun, huh? God be getting up in the crevices and you're like, no, 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 not that one, Lord. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? And so that's what we got to, like, so I'm excited that we're like, God, what crevice do you want to get in today? Like, like, like when y'all, when we approach Sundays, I want us to begin to ask, God, what crevice do you want to get up in my soul today? Right? If you created me and I'm broken, you, you're the doctor that can get up and heal the crevices. All right? So, anyways, let's go in and stand and read the word of God. We are in our sec, uh, sixth part as we continue this Overcomer series, uh, Getting Battle Ready. Before we read uh, the text here, uh, we've been going through uh, the concept of uh, getting ready for chapter 6 and going through it. We, we had talked about the idea of you got to find your strength from the Lord. Amen. Like the battle that we are facing, and, and Hunja alluded to this, about from things that are in the heavens and things that are at, in earth, there are things that are in opposition to God's advancement of his goodness and righteousness and truth, right? And so what he says, he says, man, if you knew what you're opposed to, you would have to draw your strength from the king of kings who alone ascended above all these powers, you, 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 right? So he's reminding them and saying, you, you, would, you would know that. And so he, he goes down and he's talking about the need and he says, okay, here's the thing. Now you've got to take up the armor, right? So he talked about the first two. Y'all remember what the first two we covered last week? Belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness. Remember belt of truth? I've got to bring this up. This thing struck me last week. Is There's four elements to the belt of truth that you've got to put on. Okay? You've got to be interacting with these four elements. Who remembers the four elements? You have Christ is the truth. The word of God will sanctify in the truth. Holy Spirit reminds of all truth. Church is the pillar and foundation of the truth. So in other words, putting on the belt of the truth is what? It's being in Christ, informed and nurtured by his word, full of his spirit to apply the word of God in the context of the church whereby people see truth put on display. So if we, he says, he says you got to have all four of those. Remember, you got you to, when you strap that up, you have to have all four, all four of those interacting with your life. And if you put all four of those interacting with your life, then that will put all the other pieces of armor in order. Amen? And so let's go, and we're into the third piece uh, of armor. These are, you guys remember, these are all worn by the Messiah. And so when we find ourselves in the Messiah, he says, I just need you to appropriate them. So he's going to call us in this third one. It's probably the shortest passage we've ever read in a Sunday gathering, but this is good. So let's go ahead and read Ephesians 6, uh, 15. One, two, three. And Amen. Amen. Spiritual tattoo is the believer has the capacity to overcome in the chaos. The believer has the capacity to overcome in the chaos. How many of y'all are in chaotic situations? Yeah. It's all over. The believer, the good news is we're going to dive in, is this third piece reminds us that the believer has the capacity to overcome in those chaotic situations. Father, as we dive into your word, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for the truthfulness of your word. Lord, we, uh, man, your word goes beneath uh, every nook and cranny in our life. It's, it's sharper than a double-bladed sword. It pierces beneath even those areas of bone and marrow, the exposing the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Because honestly, Lord, we have a hard time even being honest with ourselves. 
being honest with you. And so I pray, God, that by your word, Father, you would give us the grace to be honest with you, with ourselves, with one another, as we hear and receive your word. God, please give me the grace to make preaching easy. This text has a lot of different dynamics going on. And so, Lord, in a chaotic world, we just need a simple word of what it looks like to appropriate what we need in the shoes of peace, the sandals of peace, to overcome. Thank you, Father, for this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I remember uh, being at an event a little ways back, and, you know, we had our journey from L.A. to Philadelphia, back to L.A., and we were at a place one time where I just had my fresh butter Tims on. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I know I'm the West Coast, but let me little bring a little East Coast to the, we, we, were, we were throwing on our butter Tims because we we're like, oh, East Coast hip hop, and we were West Coast cats, right? And so we were looking out. So me and my homie, uh, it, back in the day, we'd, have, we'd, we'd put on the Tims, and they were the fresh ones. And so we, we had an event. I was at an event, um, and I remember we started getting a pickup game, right? And so I had my, had my Tims on, and so I'm like, okay, well, I got to kind of tie them up a little bit. And so you know what I'm about to say. So as I got into the game, man, I couldn't jump as high. I couldn't run as fast. It was easy to cross me over. That doesn't say too much, because even if I don't have Tim's on, you can cross me over easy, right? Like, so, but, but the interesting thing is, like, it was just so hard to move. It was so hard to move because the, uh, it's interesting is that not only was it hard to move, but the next day when I got out of bed, I couldn't really walk. Because the Tims were so heavy on my feet when I was trying to do something in them that the top of my feet and my ankles were so hurting, I was limping. You see, because the issue is, I put on the wrong boots. I put on boots for a game, and because I put on the wrong shoes, I couldn't stand. And I think there's something about that that Paul is getting at, and he's saying, look, when you lace up the wrong shoes for the game you think you're playing, If you don't have the right shoes on, you're not going to stand. You're not going to compete well. You're going to fall out, and the next day you're not going to be able to walk. You see, so, so there's something about Paul is trying to teach the young church the significance of the types of shoes they need to wear in order to stand and advance in the bottle, in the the bottle, in the battle. It's not enough just to stand, you got to advance. So he's saying, he said in chapter 2, look what he says. In chapter 2 and 4, he lays out the foundation for the type of shoes that they need to lace up. If you miss what we're about to look at here, you'll miss what kind of shoes you got to put on. And you're going to put on Tim's for a game. <laughs> right? So you gotta, we got to start with a foundation. Let's build a foundation. Look at, uh, read, let's go into chapter 2 of Ephesians and go, we're going to be at 13 through 17. Just, we got to lay a foundation of of what kind of shoes of peace do we need to lace up for this battle? All right, check this out. In chapter 2, verse 13, he says this. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Did you catch that? You who were what? Far away have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. For why? How? He is our peace. Did you catch that? He's our peace who made both groups. Who are the both groups? Jews and Gentiles. And tore down the dividing wall of hostility. So there was beef with these two groups. 
and there's beef with God and man. In his flesh, he made, Jesus made of no effect the law consisting of commands and expressed in regulations. So that, and why did he do this? Why did he squash the beef? So that he might create in himself, in Jesus himself, one new humanity. We've talked on that. That's like a humanity you've never seen. I think we use the illustration of most of us, when we went to get a car, you went to the trusted brands, Toyota, Honda, Kia, uh, Ford, Chevy, Pontiac, Buick, right? You, you can go through all the names for those that, uh, I don't, but BMWs and Mercedes, they out there. But you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't got the money for that, but praise God for that, right? So you've got all that, all that stuff, all those brands. But here's the thing. What God is doing is kind of like when the Tesla hit the market. You're like, what is this? It drives itself? It doesn't have a motor? You literally, you go up to the Tesla and you're like looking around inspecting, like, where's the engine? Literally, it doesn't even make sense because it's a brand new thing. Does that make sense? That's what he's doing. He says, look, you had all these different nations that have gone astray. And he says, look, in Jesus Christ, there was beef with God because of our sin. And there was beef with one another. And that's what, that's what the enemy wants. He is the author of confusion, and he's the author of division when it's not godly division. He's the author of murder and strife and envy. He's the author of unwise actions that lead to murder. And, and all of that is going to end up where he ends up in the lake of fire. That's, that's, a, that's the outcome for all that stuff. Does that make sense? So, so he, he goes in, he's saying, God squashed the beef through sending his son. And so he's squashing in such a way that not only does he bring a brand new, spanking new people in to be at peace with him, but then he says, now you're at peace with one another. He is our peace. It's a peace that doesn't ignore the truth, but it's a peace that acknowledges the truth of what, how bad it really is so that we might see how good our God is to deal with every single mess that we created. So that's what he says. He says, I'm bringing a whole new group of people together. It's so distinct that you have never seen anything like this before. That's the beauty of church planning. God gets to bring and assemble a whole new group of people. that's like, I never would have kicked it with you before. But somehow Jesus is doing something in my soul and I want to be your brother and sister. Like, what? That's what he does. The world doesn't know what that is. But Jesus is saying, but that's the kind of, the peace he's talking about, putting on the shoes of peace, is saying the only way to have peace is recognize that we're broken. We need a savior. He came, squashed the beef because the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then because of that, he gives us his spirit and says, now be at peace with one another. Because the thing that used to divide you and give you identity is not your definitive standing before God. Jesus' blood is. If his blood is a definitive standing, then we can stand with one another because we're on common, gra common ground of grace. So he says, he's like, look, you got to understand that the peace that he's talking about is only the peace that Jesus provides by dealing with the bad beef we had with God and one another. And Jesus squashes that in the cross. Okay, that's 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 the hope. But but here's the thing now. So that's the that's the gospel of peace. It is it is Jesus I can't save myself. I can't produce peace with you and one another. I come broken. I trust my life into your care as the, the crucified, resurrected Lord. You are my peace. That's what he's talking about. Does that make sense? Got the foundation? All right, so here's what. But this didn't mean that it would be easy or that it would change circumstances completely. 
right? So, in, in, in fact, what God is doing is bringing peace to this new community to reflect his peace to one another in a process of sanctification in the context of a chaotic world. So it's, just, it's like this. You are, we already live in a chaotic world. Then Jesus takes us, brings us at peace with God and with one another, and as he does that, he's now, I need to grow you up and change you through a process of sanctification, which is in other words, I'm going to make you more like Jesus in your journey of trusting me and walking with me. That's the goal I have you on. So watch this. Sanctification feels messy, doesn't it? God begins to say, knock on your door, be like, uh, I don't know about that area. And you're like, wait, wait, no, like I like that area. That makes me feel comfortable. That gives me, I feel like I'm somebody. He's like, uh, hold on, hold on. But that's not who I created you to be. So he's not, see, and it gets uncomfortable. Imagine this, you're going through that process to experience greater intimacy and fellowship in a practical way with the living God, but it feels uncomfortable at times, like you've got to take a baby, a bottle from a baby, and the baby's like, wah, wah, like, like give me back my bottle. He's like, no, 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 but I want to get you ready to eat some meat. I, I don't, or, or some good vegetables from my vegetarians in the house, right? Like, like I, I, he's like, I want, it, I want to increase your palate and develop your palate in such a way where you will enjoy the richness of what it means to walk on planet Earth as a child of God. Amen. So he said, let me, let me, let me I, I need to do some things in your sanctification that you're like, you're, you're like we cry about. And he's like, I got you. Like, I got something better. Now you're going through that process that isn't always comfortable in an already chaotic world. That's kind of crazy. Imagine, like, what is it that could get us to stand and begin to journey through all this stuff that is happening to enjoy what God has for us when everything around us is saying, no, I have something else for you. And God is trying to get our attention. And so it's interesting is that this is why, it, this is the context in which we live. Can we be real? Think about the chaos you're in. Think about the, 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 your soul is unsettled. Think about all around us. This is the world, and he says, that's why I need to teach you how to lace up some right shoes. You've got to put the right shoes on if you're going to play the game right. All right? So here's what he says. It's not just, and here's the thing about this, what I love about this. He says, it's not just for those who just need a little bit of peace. He said, look, right, hey, like, I just need a little bit, Lord. And then someone else is saying, I need a whole lot right now. Y'all, like, we're at a different place. Maybe y'all are like, I just need a little bit, Lord, because I think I'm okay in areas of my life. Others are saying, God, I'm so jacked up right now. My situation is so jacked up. I need a whole lot of peace right now. Here's the thing. He came for those who were near and far. In other words, when he jumps on the scene, addressing those that are near and far, he, gives, he tries to get at this true peace, and in doing that, he disrupts and exposes some of the peace faking that we're participating in. It's, it's the peace treaties that will help for a week, but you go back to beefing the next week. He, he's addressing these kind of these peace type of things that it's, it's not peacemaking, but we end up falling into peace faking. And God's like, but you know what? That's not going to really actually help you. So let me get in there and begin to speak what needs to happen. And by doing that, they begin to realize, man, these are things that I've been running to, things like this. Here's some examples. He's telling them in the, in, in the church of, of Ephesus, he says, look, all of y'all to the church, 
And if this relates to us too, we receive it, right? Because we're part of the church. All of them have a tendency to use proximity, cultural heritage, gender, economics, and, and everything else to find a sense of peace or the type of peace that you think you need. In other words, he's coming in into all those areas we think that's going to be peace for me, and he's about to expose that it's like when, when, you, when, you, when you're, uh, he's about to expose how deficient it is. It's kind of like, um, man, if you've had, okay, let me give this example. I've given this before, but um, okay, so I grew up with Kraft macaroni and cheese box style. Don't hate on me, but that's what I grew up with. All right? Now, here's the thing. Then I got married to Fatima, and I was introduced, y'all already know, to it's got to be baked. It's got to have a little egg in there, and you got to cut it in squares, and you have the right seasoning in it, and it takes us a half day, and I'm trying to figure out how can I help you. And I'm trying to like, babe, I need this more than Thanksgiving and Christmas. She's like, no, 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 this takes a lot of time. Okay, all right, I'm learning the ways. I'm growing in cultural competency. And so, so when I had the right mac and cheese, Kraft was like, oh, that's the kid meal. That's not macaroni and cheese. That makes sense? So that's what he, he's saying, look, you guys have been, you've been finding for so long in your life, you've been finding peace in certain areas and he's saying, let me show you a greater mac and cheese so that you can see how deficient they are. That makes sense? Get an amen on that mac and cheese. I want some right now. Whew. And so he, here's an example. He's, so he invades all their sense of peace that won't get them battle ready. Because he says, this won't get you ready for the court. Or it won't get you ready to advance the kingdom. See, this kind of peace will crumble every time. He says, that stuff that you thought was good is going to crumble every single time. In the face of God and face of practical, chaotic life, it won't work. It won't work. It'll crumble and it will destroy personally and systemically. False peace, peace faking never deals with truth, so it can't experience grace. It can't experience redemption. Because we rely upon ourselves to try to make things right. And so he goes in here. Goes in, here's an example. Look at Jeremiah. In Jeremiah, Jeremiah is going in, basically he's going to preach repentance and no one's going to repent. <laughs> That's his ministry, right? So Jeremiah goes in, he's faithful and he has a burden that he has to preach the word. And so as he does this, here's what happens. He's telling them in chapter 7, man, you guys are using the temple and all your religious stuff to justify, to give you a sense of peace so you can go right back out and do whatever you want to do. He says, so you go out, do whatever you want, come back to the temple, and, and try to conjure up, because you're religious in the temple, try to conjure up a sense of peace so I can go out and sin again. It's like when the Godfather would come in and they would confess their sin, Father, forgive me for this, this. Man, there's no repentance there because I'm going to go out and shoot someone. Does that make sense? There's a false sense of peace that our soul is prone to run with. And he says, so in Jeremiah, here's what he says. The Lord says through Jeremiah in chapter 6, verse 14, they have treated my people's brokenness superficially, claiming peace, peace, when there's no peace. Peace, peace. God ain't going to kick us out of the land. Even if he does, it's only going to be for a few years. You're really not that bad. Don't listen to Jeremiah. He won't, like we're in Zion. We're the people of God. Nothing will happen to us. 
And he's saying, because you're not dealing with the truth of how broken things are, and you're not dealing with what God is saying, there's this sense of peace that you're not getting, it's going to lead to exile. No, it's not. Because they had a false sense of peace that made them think they're okay with their present situation of peace faking. And as a result, economic turmoil, injustice, oppression, Sounds like where we are. Oppression, all the isms of the world come when a people stay in peace faking. And we don't deal with the truth of what's really going on in our hearts and in our nation. There is isms that we as a church need to work through and repent of. And God is, is, is knows how to begin to expose that. Because here's the thing, real peace doesn't minimize personal and systemic sin. Did you catch that? Real peace does not minimize personal wrongdoing, nor does it minimize systemic sin that is happening before us. Real peace doesn't just say, can't we all just get along without dealing with it? That's peace faking. That that's going to lead to exile. That's going to lead to brokenness, hurting more people, right? Real peace doesn't do that. In fact, here's what happens. Real peace doesn't minimize sin in order to experience a false sense of temporary relief, a false sense of temporary peace. But it actually is a proper orientation toward God and others girded in the truth. You see that? Real Real peace is a proper orientation towards God and others that is with the belt of truth snapped on. It's not hiding stuff, but it's dealing with the real issues that we face. And God is able, he's inviting us to look at that. And so it's, it's, it's kind of like, I remember, it, um, I remember when, uh, when the kids were young, right? They get on their bikes and they start riding. So they're riding their bikes going fast. And I'm like, man, y'all getting pretty good, right? So as they're going, they're, they're doing a little, you know how they do the little breaks. Zechariah is doing his break and like throwing his back wheel around, and the girls didn't do that, but he did. Y'all know the difference between boys and girls. They just straight up different, right? So he's going, and, and they're going. They're just going fast, turning the corners and going at it. And then at some point, it's interesting. At some point, as they're riding and doing well, I go in, and I start, I got to take the training wheels off. And so as I'm taking the training wheels off, right, they, they, they drop off, they fall off. And, and so now they're riding, and they're like, oh, gosh, you're holding on to me, right? So they're holding on. They're like, I, I, I need to, um, uh, Daddy, hold on to me. Like, don't let go of the bike, right? Uh, this and that. And, and, and as they're going through, I'm trying to like, because I know that if you're going to grow, you've got to get off the training wheels. If you're going to ride your bike to the extent that you can actually ride your bike, you've got to get off the training wheels, right? And so, but they're hesitant and they're scared and they don't know what to do because this is a big change for them. And as they're riding, it's interesting that um, I try to kind of let go a little bit, but they're like, no, 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 don't let go yet. And they're really pressing into me. They're uncomfortable. But as, as I do that, it gets so hard sometimes that what do they say? They look up and what do they ask for? Training wheels. Daddy, can we put the training wheels back on? And I keep telling them, no, because that's a false sense of security. That's not going to give you what you need to ride that bike the way that you want to ride it and you need to ride it. And it's interesting. It's like kind of like the kids is, is we often will go back to these things that God is saying, hey, this is good. You're, you're riding. 
and, and you're doing a good job and you're getting what it means to begin to look that you've trusted that Jesus is your peace and, and, and you're beginning to journey with him. But then as you're doing it, what happens? He, he takes off the training wheels. And you're like, God, I, I'm not comfortable here. I, I need some sense of peace. I was feeling peace. I was killing my Christian walk. I was looking good, right? And all of a sudden, God will put you in a situation where he says, that was good, and I was gracious towards you because you were trusting me based on what you knew. Paul says, let each of us in Philippians do as he knows. That, that has been revealed to him. Walk in what you know. Now that I'm revealing new things to you, then what happens is the peace that you once took, I got to strip that away because that's a jaded peace that is still hoping in something else. He's like, if you're going to strap up and lace up the boots of truth or, or the shoes of, of peace, you got to let me take off and expose these false sense of peace so you can learn to actually get laced with the right shoes of gospel peace and not just what you think you need for peace. And this is what he, in our, in our sanctification, that's what God is doing them, doing to that. It's like this. It is in the school of chaos. Don't miss this where we get the best education on the gospel of peace. If you're in the school of chaos in the front row on the desk, you're in a prime position for God to do a work whereby you begin to see those areas that you needed for peace. He's going to start exposing those in the journey, and it hurts. It's uncomfortable. It ain't preferential. If you had your way, you would do it a different way, wouldn't you? And God begins to expose these things, and he begins to speak the gospel of peace where we need stability. So in other words, it is in the school of chaos, and we repeat this, where you have the best education on the gospel of peace. And so here's the thing, Paul, Paul is making clear to them that the gospel of peace is the only thing that can get them ready to experience and proclaim peace in the chaos. It's the gospel of peace that is the only thing. So look at look what he says. He says in verse 15, as we, as we look into what these shoes of peace are, they got to be founded on the gospel of peace, which then exposes counterfeit pieces to grow us to be able to say there are moments in your life where you will continue to put on the shoes of peace why because you're always growing in sanctification when he reveals more in his word to you you then learn i put these on afresh because i'm putting it on with greater confidence and understanding because those old things that now i know are counterfeit pieces i'm letting them go so the thing is, as we prepare here, what counterfeit pieces has the Lord been surfacing in your life? Well, what things is he's like, you're, could it be that maybe some of the chaos and maybe the difficulty that you're in right now, God is so booming and boss mode with his sovereignty that he will use that to surface those counterfeit pieces and begin to show you, let the train wheels go. So that you can obey this word for this season, which is, and your feet sandaled with readiness for the gospel of peace. The, the ESV translation says it this way. And as shoes for your feet, 
having put on readiness given by the gospel of peace. Okay, New Living Translation, I love it how they say, they say, for shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. Okay? So he says, you've got to put on, you've got to lace up the gospel of peace. Here's the thing, Paul, imagine Paul, uh, he's in prison, he's house arrest when he's writing this, when he's writing this epistle, right? So he's getting ready, he's writing this to the church in the, the churches in the Ephesus area, right? And so as he's doing that, you can imagine, right, we talked about last week, he's looking at the armor that the Messiah wears. The Messiah wears all this armor. Then not only is he looking at the armor that the Messiah wears, but what else is he looking to? He's looking to the guard. So you can imagine his eyes going from what he saw in the belt of truth, giving internal sense of security, to the breastplate of righteousness, showing I have an imputed righteousness in Christ, that the enemy can't accuse me of shame, guilt, or fear anymore when it's not founded. Right? And Jesus took it all. So he says that, but then he looks down and he says, oh, look at the shoes. Right? These are, it's interesting that the, the shoes, if you can imagine looking at one of the soldiers, right? they had these boots, and they weren't tins. They were boots that were, had the holes in them. You know, it has like the, the, the I don't even know how to explain it. I shouldn't put a picture up there. But, but they're not, they're, they're, they're sandals, right? They're sandals. Like, it's like wearing sandals with some other straps on it, right? And so these were called heliga, and they were like a half boot that had solid grips on the bottom that both allowed the soldier to stand his ground in the battle as well as march long marches to advanced territory. Okay? So these boots, they would have to wear these boots if they're going to stand their ground in the midst of fighting and then naturally walk, uh, advance the conquest of the Roman Empire through these shoes. They couldn't march if they didn't have the shoes. In other words, the shoes were a necessary element for both standing your ground in the battle and marching toward advancement. Now, nowadays, you know that we can't downgrade shoes. How many of y'all are like, i got to have the fresh shoes? Seriously. I mean, like, shoes are like the fetish of today. Does that make sense? Am I, am I in the house? Y'all don't care for shoes? I just don't have the money for shoes. But, right? Shoes are the thing. So shoes are important, right? Here's the thing about, about shoes for us. We prime. How many of y'all? Buy a shoes based on you get your foot. You, you say, okay, do I have an arch? Do I have my flat foot in? Uh, what's my measurement? What's good for my walk? Like, how many of y'all pick a shoe based on what's good for your feet for your long-term posture? <laughs> yes, I, I got a few people, they, they learn, right? We got to learn from them, right? So that's the thing. But see, we tend to look at shoes from how it looks with our gear, with our outfit. Does it match? Is it fresh? Is it the new thing? Is it unique? Based on your personality. Here's the thing why we have a hard time, I think, understanding the shoes of peace is because we take something like a shoe and we use it for our self-gratification and our self-exaltation. I'm not saying it's wrong to buy nice shoes. But what I'm saying is the value for us when we think about shoes is usually how does it look to make us look? But the shoes of peace, the thing is he's like, that's the kind of very peace I'm actually telling you won't give you a peace. So even when we look about the shoes of peace, we have to rework the functionality of the shoes of peace back with the Roman Empire. They needed it if they were going to march. They needed them if they were going to stand or else their life would be gone. 
Their life and well-being depended upon where they did they have the right shoes on. See how different like we like culture, we're like, what the heck? I can't even like fathom what that means, right? But that's what he said. He's looking at that because here's the thing he says. He's like, I, I need you to know that you got to put on the right kind of shoes because you've got a whole bunch of stuff coming at you as we talked about to disturb you. And so he says that because here's the thing. The enemy is seeking to use the chaos around you to produce chaos in you. Did you catch that? The enemy is seeking to produce chaos, use the chaos around you to produce a chaos in you. And Paul is saying, I need you to understand the right shoes so you can stand when the enemy throws all this chaos. So things like this. What are some of the chaos? You, you see this in the scripture, Psalm 42. We won't read it, but Psalm 42 and 43 is this up and down journey of a believer. Uh, uh, David trying to make sense of uh, living life in a broken world when it doesn't seem like God is coming through all the time. And he's trying to make sense of this. It doesn't make sense. And so David is going, why are you so downcast on my soul? Why am I so depressed? He says, I'm going to hope in God again. But then the next minute he says, man, they're saying that God ain't for me. Where are you, Lord? Why am I so downcast on my soul? And then he goes again, I will praise you. He does this at least four different times. Why? Because that's a real journey of a believer who is trusting God in the midst of a chaotic world and learning to put the doggone right shoes on. Because it's, what about us? Systems are corrupt and broken. Death has hit us hard in different seasons. But maybe it's my boss, my neighbor, my family, even somebody in the church said something that just messed me up. I'm just having a hard time seeing hope beyond the present situation. And here's the thing. The enemy loves to come up with his lying self and his deception and to convince us he tries to play on the flesh, right? He puts all these intense, oppressive pressures spiritually, and he works in systems that are broken. He works on combative spiritual stuff directly. He, work, he tries to entice the, so the stain of the world comes at us. He's coming off. He's saying, hey, hey, just go to that peace that you used to be Just go back to the training wheels. Go back to peace faking. At least you'll feel better for a week, right? And he's trying, and so, so you can see he's saying, man, the enemy is trying to get us to run back to that. But here's the thing. When you lace up with the gospel of peace, you can withstand that onslaught. Contrary to the lies of the evil one and the chaos of the flesh, this cannot bring lasting peace. In other words, you don't have to let the virus of the chaos infect the disposition of your soul. You don't have to let. Did you catch that? The virus of the chaos doesn't need to infect your soul. That's why he's saying put on the sandals of peace so that it doesn't seep into your soul and your soul is so in chaos now because you have forgotten to put on the sandals of peace and now you're going to something else. So there are times if your soul is so in chaos in your life, Sometimes it is that the question needs to be asked, where are you running back to to find peace? What's the thing that God's like, why do you keep putting on the training wheels? I'm hitting a lot on the training wheels, but I think we need to be here for a minute. What is your training wheel? 
Because you're going to fall. That's when your soul gets infected with the virus of chaos. Look what Jesus says. Jesus says, but I want so much more for you. Watch what Jesus says. Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I don't give you as the world gives. Don't let your heart be troubled or fearful. I don't give you a peace that the world gives because that's fake peace. They can't get it. I'm going to give you a peace that no one can touch. Look at John 16.33. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. You will have suffering in this world, but be courageous. I have overcome the world. That's the master we serve. He says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Try to get us away from these. Find peace in the gospel of peace in Christ. Right? Going from here, draw it, repent of the train tiles, tires, wheels. Come in Jesus. Trying to get us in that in our growth. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says this. Don't worry about anything. But in everything. Through prayer and petition. With what? Thanksgiving. It's a key part, right? That's by faith. Present your requests to God. And when you present your requests to God, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your heart's your minds in Christ Jesus. See, when you lace the, the sails of peace up, the gospel of peace, that guards you from the virus of the chaos that will seek to unsettle you to be tempted to go back to the old sense of peace, which only leads to exile and destruction. Are you kidding this? It's important, right? And so, so look here. We experience this peace in surrendering to God's goodness as, as put on display through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here's the thing. The gospel assures me that God is for me and will use it all for his glory and my good. Did you catch that? The gospel assures me that if I'm in Christ, there's nothing that can separate me from his love. He will use everything to make me more like Jesus. How do you be made more like Jesus? When he shows you the false peace, you repent of it, you lace up the sandals of peace, you're walking in obedience, because come hell or high water, the virus of chaos won't hinder you from walking forward when you have the right shoes on. Does that make sense? So, you've got to, so, you're, so you're walking forward. And so and I may not understand based on the chaos around me. It doesn't make sense what's happening in my situation right now. I don't get it, Lord. That's a good place to be. Don't run fast to solve it. Ask questions of the Lord. Ask questions of each other and press into Christ. Because that's the only way you're going to be able to move forward to what God wants you to move forward on. So this is where he gets in. He says, so when you experience, it is surrendering. And here's the thing. The biggest thing for us is repenting of resistance. Wow. Yeah. Look, at, look at Philippians 4.9. Paul says this. Do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. In other words... This is an experiential peace that is rooted in repenting and resisting, repenting of resisting to God and His work. There is a peace that you will only experience when you repent and walk in God's ways. 
So here we say, God is saying, I have you here for a reason. I want to get at your soul. And you keep resisting. You won't experience a lasting peace that the Holy Spirit produces. So lace up the shoes of peace, the gospel of peace. Meaning, stop resisting. Because you're trusting in your own efforts to get it done. And what, what, it's one of those things like, whether you hear it now or 10 years down the road, this will be the same message that the gospel invites you to over and over and over. Stop resisting the creator. He can provide a greater peace than you can ever imagine. And he says, when you lace your feet in the gospel of peace, you experience this peace. You're surrendering to what the Lord has for you in that time of your life. When we surrender to him and trust his plan, when it doesn't make sense, or it isn't comfortable or preferential, then we experience a peace that passes all understanding. This is when you experience the gospel of peace, not the gospel of circumstantial and preferential comfort. Here's something as we look at this. like The Lord God, like, has been really impressing this concept of surrendering my life. Like recently when we started this fast, I was reading a book called Invitation to Retreat. And here's the thing that this author emphasized is the concept of uh, surrendering being a process of being willing to do what the Lord has before and desires for you to do. It, it's a willingness to surrender where you are. Lay down your resistance and let his conquering peace work in your life. And I, 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 mean, I don't know why it was so transformational for me. When it's not a new concept, you've probably heard this concept. Do you surrender? Are you willing? That's a call to be Christian disciples. It's a call to life, right? Here's the thing, though. I had begun to function, even though that was my 34,000 foot understanding, when it came to practical application, I had begun to function under crafting a strategy and how it needs to happen that is often informed by the pressures of the world and the flesh. It was a simple question of, am I willing to do what God has before me? Am I willing to do that? As I began to surrender and say yes to being willing, I began to realize that what the Lord is calling us to do as a church will not be easy. Like so, I was trying to avoid some of the excessive difficulty. I was trying to strategize and do whatever I could to avoid some of the difficulty that comes with church planting. That comes with dealing with the isms of the world that we need to repent and let the gospel speak. I was just trying to, if we could just do this a little bit easier, Lord, then that would be my preference. But here's the thing. Somehow, as the Lord had me begin to surrender and saying, are you willing, son, to do what I'm calling you to do? Are you willing to endure the hellacious times of life so that you might experience more glimpses of who I am? Are you willing? And I had to, as, I'm, as I, I learned afresh, Lord, I'm sorry for trying to put on Tim's when I needed the sandals. I, I wasn't lacing up. I had to repent of that and say, Lord, I surrender 
And as I surrender in willingness, there's a peace that floods your soul. Circumstances doesn't change. And it, the call isn't going to be easier. But there is a peace that floods your soul that's consistent with Jesus' teaching. That's the kind of shoes of peace, gospel peace. He says, I'm daily wanting you to strap up and notice. Because whatever happens, you'll be able to deal with that. And I think part of the reason, maybe, I want to ask us, some of the reason why many of us may not be experiencing an internal peace is that we're bucking up against what God is actually trying to do in your life. There's, you will have turmoil. But when you surrender to what God wants to do and make you more like Jesus and do what, and, 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 and oh, no, it's not going to be comfortable. It ain't going to be preferential. But it's what God is setting up to teach you. I want you to enjoy what I'm calling you to do. And I'm teaching you to put those shoes of peace on. Because you have peace with me and I'm not going to leave you hanging. You see, because, because here's the thing is that when, when we start going from I want to do what I want to do into, Lord, I'm learning to put on the shoes of peace that say I'm one with you in Christ. You've got my back. And here's the thing. The shoes don't just give you the grace to stand, but they automatically move towards advancement. And advancement comes is when we say, okay, Lord, now that I'm putting on the right shoes, I have a confidence and a peace that I can go wherever you want me to go. I will be okay. <laughs> Your kingdom's going to be advanced. See, this is what he's this is what he's putting on, and this puts out that that last part of proclaiming peace to the chaos. Is he says, now that you experience peace in the midst of the chaos, I'm leading you to proclaim peace to the chaos. This is this text briefly says, and he's referring to Isaiah fifty two seven, where he says, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the herald who proclaims peace. Who brings news of good things, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. It's this image of, in the midst of brokenness, God is getting ready for the heralds to come up and go all throughout the mountains and proclaiming to Zion, your God reigns. Your king. So he's saying, look, when you put on the sandals of peace, he's saying, it's to not be a herald that proclaims the peace to a chaotic world says, I don't got the right shoes on. This is like, like Christianity is not just to give you a personal... Mm, does that make sense? Jesus didn't call you to say, I'm just going to meet your personal needs and that's it. He said, no, no, no. I'm calling you because you're a part of my people. Strap on, lace up in the gospel of peace, knowing you're secure. Knowing your love, and that leads you to say, You have the answer, church. You have the answer for the true peace that can last. Jesus says, I'm going to use y'all, I'm going to use your mouths to talk about the peace that I give people. Even if people slap you with words, even if they threaten you, even if people come at you hard. He says, strap on the shoes. Don't go back to the old ways of trying to find security and provision. He says, if you strap them on, you can go proclaim, and you should go proclaim. It's not optional, because if you're experiencing this peace daily, you can't help but go share. I mean, some of the most encouraging things recently with this is 
thinking about like when Will was putting on the thread about just interacting with uh, one of the cults in our community that came to his door and you know and how we're talking and praying through it and, and getting ready and then I hear about uh, uh, about uh, who was talking about Aisha you were talking about something like she talked to someone the other day like or like and then I'm at I'm at uh, the place I work at and I talked had like two conversations about uh, well one one there about someone's like kind of in the neo gnosticism and but I'm like no no let me let me so we got a conversation in the middle of this place I work and we're talking about Jesus right and, and like bring the stuff we're thinking about we're engaged on ideological stuff and thinking about it and then I'm saying that we're over with we're over in Gardena right picking up Nicole uh, Fox and I were and we run into a guy he's just chilling there. And he's so receptive to hearing about the peace that Jesus brings. You got a Bible? No. Nicole goes and grabs her Bible. I'm not going to get you another one. She grabs a Bible. We give him a Bible. We're like, yo, man, check this out. And so the thing is, is like, God is presenting opportunities every single day. People are hurting. They got false peace. They're asking. That they're, I was a pastor, Dr. Mason, uh, this last week, right? We were over at the conference there. And he said he gave a story about how, you know, one of the guys was, was, he was walking outside the building, right? And one of the guys was walking by. Tough dude. He said, man, this dude was big, was swole, right? He was mobbing by the building. And for some reason, this is not usually the case, but, but he comes and he kind of grabbed on the arm. He says, you okay, brother? What's up? Long story short of this, he began to, he says, he just put it, he rested in, 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 in Dr. Mason's, in, in his arm. He said, pray for me. And so he prayed, and he got it. Long story short, here's the thing. Because the shoes of peace were on past the E, and he was willing to go forward, the dude said, you just, an angel had you come because I was about to go kill my girlfriend. Because she was stepping out. You never know, y'all. Like, if we don't make, he said, get laced up with the gospel peace because people are hurting. People need hope. I needed hope when I was broke. Y'all need hope? People need a peace that's not this fake, false stuff that perpetuates in our city. I want to see our city experience what God's peace can bring. But you know how he is going to do that through the church. Are we ready to strap on the shoes and the gospel of peace today. Amen. 